Welcome to Editing Loud with South Africa's best editors and journalists. Guys, the story of the week has clearly been the Public Investment Corporation, which invests 1.9 trillion of government employees' pension funds. Um, but it's been much in the news because of political interference and being linked to state capture. Um, Ron, what is, what is the background? Where do we stand? What's been happening at the PIC that has created such a fuss? Well, the context is it's a state that doesn't have access to... Uh, it's b basically broke. We're, we're going to call it broke. It's a stronger word, yeah, maybe. Yeah, They're struggling they to find fun. It's short of money. And they see the $1.9 trillion worth of assets that PIC has that manages. And they're thinking that's a way they'll get funds to solve their SOE crisis. And that's but right now the urgent one is SAA. There's ESCOM coming up. Uh, coming up. So we have a new minister in Treasury who's uh, scouting to the PIC and, and, and basically urging them to find ways of bailing out their struggling SOEs. But that's, that's probably the most urgent crisis uh, sitting with the, with the country and state. So. Tim, is that, a, is that a legitimate use of government employees' pensions? No. Well, <laughs> see, the, the second half of the story yeah. is that, of course, the, uh, the head of the pension fund uh, or the head of the, the, the government agency that, that runs the pension fund mm. as a fund manager, mm. Dan Magila, um, he, uh, there was press leaks last week that he'd mm. uh, lent money to his friends and, f you know, and uh, the, uh, so, it, you know, and this, and we've seen this movie a hundred times yep. before. Uh, uh, somebody doesn't like somebody in a top job. They leak some embarrassing information about him. The, uh, you know, w with a, you know, with a serious look on their faces, all of the uh, parliamentarians jump in, and then they kick the guy out or the woman out, and uh, then they put their person in, and then all of the sudden the the gushes just open. And well, wait, this sounds like, like a guy called Pravin Gordon, right? That is exactly it, <laughs> and you know, sort of several uh, uh, before him. So, so last last week when we saw all of these uh, sort of sudden press leaks that uh, Dan Magilia had, you know, was a terrible boss and had given himself extra bonuses and had given loans to his friends. So that we we all knew exactly where this you know, w what this picture was, mm. uh, was supposedly showing us. So, uh, so last week there were a string of stories culminating, I think, in your publication, if I've got it right, yes. uh, of, uh, uh, of the, the, the state of this battle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's pretty transparent. The, tra the, the Treasury wants uh, Dan Magila out, um, but they, they don't want to look like they're kicking him out anyway. <laughs> Dan Magilla wants to stay in, uh, and he doesn't want to look as though he's trying to, you know, defend himself by going public on the... Uh, um. But the fact is that... Uh, that the PIC has had applications from uh, a string of, uh, of state-owned enterprises for funding. It's done it before. It's lent money to the state-owned enterprises before, but now it's transparent that they are broke, and mm. they are. And uh, so now the, the 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 complexion of the applications are totally different. Am I right? In, in, that, in, in that story in yeah. the Sunday Times, Business Times. Yeah. Um, Dan Magilla was interviewed and, and he was quoted as saying that, that the people want him out because he holds the key to the safe, the biggest safe in the country. Yeah. Is that right, Ron? I mean, what else did he say that, that uh, some people up? Basically, that's, that's what he came out and said. I, I know he's denied that uh, subsequently, but he came out and said, look, these guys are off the keys and I own, own the keys. Uh, and that all these all this negative press around him, which is clear, it's a it's a way of removing him from from his p position. As, well, although what he, I mean, we, ha we are standing behind the story and on, on that's what he said. 
So this is the, the gameplay. Uh, we'll see in the next couple of days how it unfolds and what uh, isn't he proposed releasing a statement in any time soon with regards to what came out was it, uh, yesterday at the, at the yes, press okay. conference. So the, the press conference is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, Sekinati, you were there yesterday where Gagaba stood up with Daniel Majila, the Minister of Finance, with Daniel Majila and uh, his deputy, Safiso Butelezi, who's the, the chairman of the PIC. And what actually happened at that press conference? It was an hour late, as you pointed out to Gagaba. It was an hour, 20 minutes late. <laughs> uh, so you can imagine what was going on to delay the whole press conference that Gigaba himself has had scheduled for two o'clock. Twenty past three we started and, and there he was, uh, Maishome, trying to tell us to ask one question each because the missus pressed for time. Anyway, uh, they all sang from this hymn, a very big one. Uh, we are all, all is hunky-dory, very happy people. Uh, the minister has got full confidence in the board and in management, and management has got full confidence in the minister on the board, and the board has got full confidence <laughs> in the minister and management. <laughs> you guys are just causing trouble. But he singled out Daniel Machila when it was his turn to speak. He singled out a publication called Business Times, edited by our great friend here, Ron Davi, and denied flatly everything that uh, had been published in the main story. So I because Ron was not there and, and Chris Barron was not there, I asked him exactly what part of that article was inaccurate. 900 words, which part of that? He said, I will issue a statement. We are still waiting for that statement. Uh, but he did, in that same briefing, repeat some of the things he, he had apparently said in the story that he now denies, that SAA is uninvestable. It's a, a one, it's it, it corporate governance leaves a lot to be desired and it's way below uh, investment grade and there's no way they can invest there. Only until SAA sorts out its governance prob uh, problems, returns to investment grade, starts making money, we are guaranteed our return that we are mandated by GEPF mm. to get 6% plus uh, inflation plus 2%. Then we can invest and the same goes for ESCOM. But uh, he denies the story as being inaccurate, mm. uh, designed to drive a wedge between himself and the finance minister and between himself and the board, and indeed he's got full confidence in all of them, as they do to him. So, so Ray, is that, I mean, does it indicate what's actually happening and why did he do that when it seems pretty obvious that he, he did say those things? I mean, why would he do that? Is that a bit to keep his job? It's mystifying. I mean, it's almost as if, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, my guess is that a deal was reached. Okay, look, we'll back off. This is this thing is embarrassing. It's causing our. We'll back off. Just you just better go and deny that story. Mm. It's very uncomfortable, what you said there. Yeah. And then we we'll just keep quiet. And then we'll we'll do this behind the scenes and sort it out over the next few months. Otherwise, we'll declare an irre irretrievable breakdown in relationship, and one of us is not going to be here uh, next time we meet. And that is not the minister and that is not the board. It is one person, the one who went to the media and said, we are all after him. What, now what we, I, called it, we called it in the financial yeah. mail, it's a draw. What I don't, understand, <laughs> what I don't understand is you don't find, you don't like you, you don't want your CEO, uh, you don't like your CEO. Why isn't there like a conversation behind closed doors and try to get Majela to step down without any of this negative press coverage? This is, you know, when he, when Kikabo was there at DPE, almost all those CEOs had the same, it's the same, it's played the same way out, right? There's always the same scandal script, comes right? out first and then mm -hmm. there's an acting CEO. Why can't you sit down come there? Okay, fine, PIC, right now we can't operate with Dan, but Dan is following whatever whatever uh, path he's following, which isn't in line with what 
Gabba wants. Why can't you sit down in the back room and talk and get get paid off? Let's like be more specific. I don't get this. Where Gabba goes, he appoints two or three board members first, and then a few weeks later, there's a scandal against uh, key people in management. Uh, uh, go to Transnet, go to SAA, go to uh, to ESCOM to uh, wh when he was DPE minister. Same script is playing out again, except this time around. The reason there is a draw between him and management, they did not anticipate the resistance that they have now gotten yes. from the, the public. System. And I mean, that's why there's a draw. That's a crucial that's issue. A and, yeah. and I mean, 1.9 trillion rand is a, is a lot of money. It's a, it is the safe, basically, to the country. So why is it important that that Majila stays? Well, y you know, the thing is that they've got, you know, uh, the situation is completely different. You know, the, the PIC, they, w when government looks at the PIC, they see 1.8 trillion rands worth of money that, you know, that they mm. could, they see a huge pot sure. of gold that yeah. they can go and sort of draw from. But, but, f from, uh, from, but the PIC is not the controller of the money. The controller of the money is the state pension fund itself. Yeah. They, are, they are the investor of the money. They're in a different position to, the, to say, you know, the to Transnet. Transnet is making its own decisions about how it uh, um, allocates its budget. The PIC is responsible to a different organization outside of government uh, for, for maintaining investment returns. And so there's a whole different authority structure, there's a whole different accountability structure which lies behind the relationship between the PIC and government and, you know, this pot of money. Uh, but I mean, you know, the thing is that, that and what you're dealing with here, there's also a political dynamic mention to this because what you're dealing with here is the pension funds of uh, state employees you know so the, the, the state employees have a, an enormous vested interest in making sure that the PIC does not invest its money in you know in uh, bankrupt organizations that happen to be a you know an embarrassment for government at some particular point. Well it's funny is Kosatu is the uh, basis is the employees right and yeah. Kosatu has stood up against against Zuma and against state capture so they also find this so if anything needs to be captured for this for for a kick up access is the pension fund mm. but now he, it's, it's, it's a, mm. a fascinating aligned. anecdote in that story that, yeah. that he, he was talking about mm. where um, Dudumieni the chairwoman of SAA calls him apparently Daniel Majila mm. a few weeks ago and mm. says we need six billion rand for SAA and Daniel Majila refuses and says like he reiterated yesterday that it's not investable yeah. um, I mean surely that indicates that it's that the PIC is a lot closer to um, the state capture project than anyone believes Ray what are you what are your thoughts on that yeah is that a correct I mean assessment? I think I think, you know, the, 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 the avenues, you know, their choices now are to go and raise money on the markets at a very expensive rate yeah. because you're worse than junk. I mean, you know, I shudder to think what kind of interest you would get in a bond attached to SAA at the moment. Mm. I don't even know if there'd be any takers. That's not bond. But there yeah. would be. Mm. No, but I'm just saying, if you know, how mm. would you, how else would you raise the yeah. money? Right? Well, mm. there, is a, there is an option, and this is also the kind of interesting part of it. Because Besides uh, bank robbery, because that is <laughs> what I see. <laughs> no, no, I mean, government does still have a big stake, it has a 23% stake in telecom. 39, so yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The, uh, and what the other, the, the plan B with the PIC was for the PIC to take over the, um, the stake in, uh, in telecom, uh, and then government will use Proceed. The proceeds to pay for he has uh, a pay for, for that. As SAA, but yeah, 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 the problem is that he, first of all, he, the PRC is very invested in in uh, uh, telecom already, as it is invested in a lot of other uh, sort of companies. And the upside is, you know, the upside is probably 
all in the share. You know, the uh, so you know they have to weigh, try and weigh mm. the potential uh, uh, purchase of, of telecom shares against. You know the, the hundreds of other p possible investments out there. Let, let's just say it would it would buy that whole stake. It's only worth about twelve billion rand. Uh, SAA SAA alone needs thirteen billion rands, but ten billion rand as in right now. SAPC and all of them. Now l let's bring context again. Uh, the, the PIC already owns 13% of telecom and it cannot exceed 15%. Uh, so it, it no, it can. Uh, if they it owns London at 30%. If they wanted to, yes. That has been done. If they wanted to, but they, but they, 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 they would make a special hours. case. Mm. Uh, they would make a special case uh, in order to, 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 to breach that mandate. Yeah. And two, make an offer to minorities because they would now uh, be uh, over control. Uh, but but the, the, the biggest part is now so you only get 12 billion rand when you know this guy is sitting with 1.9 trillion rand and you need at least 100 billion rand as that business time story did state so very well that now Machila denies. And 1 trillion rand, uh, 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 Rob, is 12 zeros. <laughs> Put your money there, 1.9 and 12. 12 zeros, that's what it is. It's a thousand. And like, you know, like, the thing is, you, you want 100 billion. So within that 1.9 worth of assets, you have to liquidate stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you, there's no, like, I think that's where government fails to understand. Like, so what do you liquidate to raise 100 billion odd rand for? So what do you sell? What stakes more mm -hmm. beyond telecom, beyond, so all these, what properties do you sell? What other, like, You sell Sandra Bones. who has to leave in the second half of the show, your view, is Daniel Majila safe for now or not? For now, but uh, I mean, he's on very, very, very thin ice. He's not going to be there long enough if Manusiki Kaba stays, if that board with Muteleza and Kwanim Kwanazi and Sibusiswe Zulu is there. Sibusiswe Zulu, by the way, is, is a lawyer to, to, to Zulim Kiza and all of them and <laughs> comes from the Umgeni Water Board. Okay, well, you heard it here first and join us in the second half for some more compelling insights. Welcome back to Editing Aloud. And guys, to start off this segment, we're going to talk about the Rugby World Cup. There's been a lot of discussion about whether South Africa should host it again after doing such a great job in 1995, which was a long time ago, and dare I say, pre-Zuma. Um, Ray, your thoughts on whether it's a good thing to do? There are various issues in our rugby sector. We have not rugby industry, so to speak. We, we, we have poor transformation record, and the big events we've hosted so far haven't exactly been fantastic for us, such as the 2010 World Cup. What are your thoughts on, on, on doing it now? No, I think that uh, as an event, it would be very, it would make sense. It makes more sense than the 2010 World Cup did because we have all the stadiums, so there's no new stadiums to build. So the chances of infrastructure spend going out of control are less, so there might be some renovation. But having said that, when government signs guarantees up front to pay for everything and there's an actual physical deadline, there is a tendency for people to overspend because there's no choice. Mm. You know, whatever has to be done has to be done. If it's got to be broadcast 4K probably by 2023, I should imagine they'd want to put this out 4K. Uh, you know, there's huge communications infrastructure that has to be put in to enable that to take place in the stadiums. So these events tend to really open up the opportunity for leverage and arbitrage from construction companies and the like. 
as we saw in the last in the 2010 World Cup, where there was a, a raft of collusion allegations that arose yeah. because of it. I, I think, think yeah, but uh, there you had stadiums built from the ground up mm. um, at massive cost, and here you don't have that. You don't need more rugby stadiums than what we have to host a World Cup. But Tim, do you, do you think the 2010 World Cup was, was any good for us? We spent a lot of money and got um, arguable value back for it. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I think that the... Uh, I quite like the idea, to be honest. Um, the, uh, I know that there's questions about rugby's transformation and so on. Um, but, you know, the... Uh, and there are, as Ray says, you know, opportunities for arbitrage and so on. Um, but uh, it's such a tourism, uh, you know, boost and uh, the... Um, television ratings for rugby are going up and you know it's an there's a, it's a kind of a chance to put on an international festival um, you know this and and you can sort of see that because there's a lot of very competitive uh, you know bids to uh, to host the uh, uh, the tournament and uh, we don't have the um, you know we don't have to build the stadium so you know this this the possibility of arbitrage is less than it than it w uh, than it was um, the the only difference that i have uh, with ray is uh, um, over the um, the pluralization of uh, stadium because he said stadiums and i think it's stadia mm. i just <laughs> like to point that I'm glad we're focusing on the important <laughs> yeah yeah we, we need to focus on the stuff you know, <laughs> not the irrelevant issues like you know money and uh, <laughs> you've glossed over <laughs> you've glossed over transformation but isn't that a Ron, isn't that a thing that, that our, our sporting codes haven't really transformed? We, we're not really including a lot of the population in some codes like cricket, mm. like rugby, um, uh. and perhaps even golf, dare I suggest. <laughs> uh. But in terms of uh, rugby, uh, they've been doing pretty, looks looks much better on the field, right? But I'm sure but by, by 2023, uh, hosting a World Cup, I think I'm with Tim on this one. Yeah, I think it'll be good for the country generally. I think... Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> we have all the stadia. It's all, it's all been built. What's, what's the point of just keeping it? So, and it keeps it on the, on the world map. But I was looking at just the health of South African rugby financially. I think South African rugby needs needs uh, to host the World Cup. It looks even uh, all black rugby is, is in the red, right? So for the health of the sport it, as itself, so I'd, I have no issue to all raising. However, we did fail to raise money to host the Commonwealth Games, right? Yeah. So it was, it's yeah. a very tricky balance, but at least 2023 is so far out that hopefully- that with the Commonwealth Games, there were no bidders except for us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There was and then we even said, no, 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 no we can't <laughs> afford this thing. Um, so no, I, I think there's a big transformation issue in rugby, yeah. and that is, mm. can we transform ourselves into a team that beats the All Blacks? Yeah, yes. Ever. We do it won't it be better if we if we don't have the World Cup here, <laughs> and then we can be beaten on somewhere else? I think you know, behind the, the, I think <laughs> the biggest reason we should host the World Cup is that we can treat the All Blacks to a delicious curry. Yeah, <laughs> d the night before <laughs> the, the game. Before the final. That would be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Assuming we get to the final again. But, but Ray, I mean, you wrote a book about about the 2010 World Cup, and one of the issues with that World Cup that's still dogging us is the fact that there was corruption in that one. That there was allegation of a 10 million dollar bribe paid. Yeah. to certain people. I mean, how do you keep corruption out of mega events like this? Well, transparency is the answer. You know, it would be great if we could see very clearly how the money that's been allocated for this World Cup is spent. And that even though SARU is a private organization, um, I think they should come clean and make absolute clean breast of every cent that's spent. 
and they should get KPMG in to audit <laughs> yeah. the whole process from the beginning. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, then, they, then they'll definitely <laughs> make money. <laughs> well, I was moving on to something different. We had this week, we had the third CEO of a construction company resigning um, from Avenge this week following, in the, following the likes of uh, Group 5 a couple of months ago. Um, Ron, your thoughts on what this says about our construction industry? Does anyone want to be a CEO of a big company anymore? Why are people falling like flies? The current yeah. CEO who left yesterday, he'd only been in the job three years and said he's now, he's tired. If yeah. I mean, how can you be tired after three years in the job? Uh, it, it tells a story about the whole sector and how all these big monster co companies that were created ahead of 2010 are now just basically getting smaller and smaller and uh, the, the workload, there's not much coming through. So. And I mean, it's a group five was on the verge, which may break up at some point. So this is all just a comment about the lack of spend and on, if on fixed spending in the country. So these companies are under much tremendous pressure. There's not nothing going through their books. So it's a comment about the whole industry shrinking as it is, as it were. Is yeah. it Tim? Is it dead then? Is construction just dead? You not want to be anywhere near it for the next? No, 10 no, no. Years? I mean, you know, the construction industry is though is is. Uh, viciously leveraged to mm. the economy. Mm. That's the, this is a, and it was arguably on too much of a high prior to 2010. Mm. And the, you know, the, uh, a lot of construction industry book, books are, have to do with mining, so mining's in the dumps. So they have peculiar problems beyond just a general uh, uh, malaise in the economy, which would be bad enough. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a real combination of factors that have uh, made these construction companies uh, really turned them, you know, you said they're big companies. <laughs> Actually, they're not. They're know, not they, anymore. Yeah. They're not anymore. You know, the, yeah. uh, uh, and it must be just like, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding to keep them going. Uh, um, I mean, the can you uh, imagine? Like, Mr. Price is bigger than all three of them, all three of the major ones. Yeah. Mr. Price on itself. And I mean, they, they, the, uh, but you know, they, the, I, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I think it would be a terrible pity if they uh, if the, if uh, if they did break up. I don't see any real solution for them. You know, they y you could imagine them consolidating a bit, but there's you know there's only four or five mm. you know big construction or biggish construction companies out there, so uh, consolidation isn't really an option. What they need is a better economy. That is uh, um, the crucial thing. And but as soon as we see that. Um, you know, they might be very good investments. There's a sense that after December there might be far more investment in the economy that things might pick up. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, you, you know, they're also very contingent on government spend. Uh, so government has been borrowing like crazy over the last uh, eight years. Uh, and uh, the and they've just run out of the road. You know, so the, the government was, ex was borrowed a lot in order to invest a lot in infrastructure. Um, and for some reason that infrastructure hasn't kicked on. Um, and so now we're sitting with very high debt. Government has basically run out of money. Uh, they wouldn't, don't want to admit that, but that's the truth. Mm. And, uh, and that's hurting, uh, that's the other thing, the other special thing that is hurting the uh, construction industry. Right, something that I, I find interesting is, is I think CEOs used to have, say in the 80s and 70s, you know, decades long experience. You'd be at the top of a firm for years. And nowadays people do last three, five years. Is it, is it a consequence of the stress of the job or the fact that they already make tons of money in that three to five years that can keep them forever that they need, that they can afford to leave? Surely the immense rise in executive remuneration over the last couple of decades um, would contribute to, towards that, or is that, is that too cynical a view, do you think? I don't, I don't know what the executive remuneration is or was at Avenge or any of the construction companies. But I, I imagine that uh, not sleeping for three years would make you pretty tired. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just been a terrible industry. It's not an exciting place to be mm. because the pipeline is not there. You know, the, 
the, the forward projects are not there. Governments much promised um, 800 billion or up to a trillion mm. infrastructure spend just hasn't, hasn't kicked in. So to a less depressing topic, the oil price seems to have recovered in the last week to some extent. It's nearing $60 again, um, which seems to be good for, it'll be good if you're a shareholder in Sassel, perhaps not the construction companies. <laughs> but, um, but Ron, your thoughts, is this the start of a new period of the oil price spiking back to those ridiculous levels of oh three years ago or, or not? Uh, or not. I don't, I, we we better praying it's not because for South Africa, and I if that shoots up, then inflation shoots up, or this low growth environment, then we have researcher putting up interest rates. So we, we hope not. But as long as there's a threat about electric car vehicles really coming in and, and this news coming in and US shale, hopefully it's just uh, fleeting. Well, unless if North Korea does bomb Japan, then clearly it's, it's, our, it's, our, it's the way it's going to be. But hopefully not. We, d we don't need this high, this high oil price. And so yeah, Simpson yeah, has, has a house in the Karoo, um, yeah. so you're keen on shale perhaps not being exploited to the extent. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on shale and its impact on prices? Surely shale, the threat of shale will keep a, a ceiling on potential oil price rise. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a big assumption that, it, you know, if the oil price did go down low enough that it would blast all of the shale producers out of the market. And then you would get a, you know, constriction of, uh, of supply, which would then kind of lift the, the oil mm. price. So, so to some extent that has happened. But, we, the, uh, but I mean, this, this little uh, uh, rise in the oil price now is all about uh, you know whether or not we're going to have a you know thermonuclear meltdown <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, mm. because that would be like bad you know <laughs> this guy called Donald yes, yes, yes. Um, the uh, so um, I think it's temporary and uh, and I do think that you know the um, it's it's not really so much about electric cars it's just a, a, a more uh, you know a much uh, bigger focus on environmental issues, mm. uh, the the cheaper and easier uh, ways to generate uh, power. Solar, uh, uh, um, all of those are sort of slightly kind of kicking in, and they'll ultimately put a put a lid on the the oil price in the medium term. Okay, so it's a temporary rally, yeah. but even that temporary rally has an impact on inflation, uh, like Ron said. Yeah. I mean, Ray, I think that it's interesting that now, um, compared to when the oil price was at ridiculous highs, the rand is a lot weaker. Um, and that, that'll, that'll mean that the oil price rise will affect us more and we've had an extra fuel levy tacked on when the oil price is very low. I mean, is that not a reason why the Reserve Bank perhaps didn't raise rates last week, that they saw the potential threat of oil filtering into people's pockets at a time where you can't really afford it? Yeah, I mean, you know, just to illustrate that, you know, when, when oil sparked, where did it spark in? 1900? 110, I think 110. 15 was the total. Yeah. Was the a litre of gas yeah. cost you less at the pump when yeah. the oil price is at 110 mm. than it does, it does now. now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. at 5060. That tells you about the RAND and the leverage of the RAND and the piling in of these levies and increases. The government has seen the fuel as a, as a source of revenue, you know. Um, it's very easy, you put it on, you know, it's instantaneous national tax yeah. that is unavoidable. I mean, you can't dodge this unless you stop driving your car or put your fleet, you know, to bed. Yeah. So that's the problem. Well, that's a depressing thought to end on. Um, well, thanks, guys, for joining us. And remember, don't buy Sassel shares. Tim Cohen told us it's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>